podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Wednesday, the 21st of November 2018. My name is Patrick Smith. Got my voice back. Um, <laughs> feeling a little bit better. You okay, hon? Um, tell you, mate. It's taken me about, I, honestly, I think it's taken me about five minutes before we started this recording to feel actually 100%. Um, but yeah. What a weekend, both on and off the ice, but we'll come to all of that. But first I'll start off, Davey McGimsey still on holiday. So um, first up, I'll introduce the Baron of Buckfast, Mr. Joel Neal. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm uh, just about, as much as the same as yourself, I'm just about writing the ship now, to be honest. I don't want to alarm anybody, but I think that somebody was dishing out bad pints on Saturday. Oh, yeah, it must um, have been. I think, I think it was that one bad pint. And see, do you know what it is? Like, I knew we had the live show coming up, so I snuck off and, and I, I drank some medicinal wine to see if that would sort of, you know, bring me back around. But honestly, it just only seemed to, to double down how I felt. So, look, uh, I'm a man of the people, and I take one for the team. So, look, I, I just I, I gutted it out and... and uh, did my very best for the show, you know. You and you and other people. <laughs> what you gonna do? Um, we'll come. To, we'll come to that, no doubt. And also joining us. Here comes yes! the little man. Here comes the little man. Totally taste. How Dan says. Yeah, I'm on. <laughs> after 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 six commentaries in three days, you feeling all right? Yeah, I'm grand. Man. It was a Sunday was a quiet one. Um, just sort of chilled out in the house, uh, locked myself until four o'clock, and didn't really talk to anybody, um, which I was happy enough with. And then Jasmine came around, so she uh, she made things lively for a few hours and and uh, <laughs> stayed the night. And yeah, it was it was it was tough. I mean, it was, honestly, it was really really tough for. Um, talking. I mean, I talk in general anyway, but uh, that was an awful lot of talking in such a short space of time, but really enjoyable. Of course, you get a lot easier this weekend, don't you? Nope. I get a lot easier this weekend. Um, I do actually because Murph will do majority of it. That's true. The NCAA, so I, I'm doing it doing the color, which is great. So, well, I think um, I think Joe will join me in the fact that I got to stand next to you twice, and I can tell you it was an absolute masterclass from yourself, man. Uh, outstanding, man. It was. Do you know what? It was, it was Joey did Thursday afternoon with us, um, and that was the hardest one I've ever had to call. I, I only ever heard of the two of the players from uh, the Italians, and that was the two Costners, Julian and, and Simon. Um, I'd never heard of anybody else before. So trying to do your homework and then. Uh, they're leaving guys out from their, they're not bringing the squad and then the, the Polish names and it was funny when we, the next day we got um, Katowice had uh, tweeted Belfast Jazz TV with pronunciations which was I wish they had done it the day before but um, no again it was tough Thursday was tough Friday wasn't so bad um, and then you sort of you know you, I wasn't even looking at the sheet on Saturday for the majority of it so um, 
just a, just a matter of trying to remember the numbers and the names and and then uh, take it from there. But it was uh, yeah, six games in, in three days was was uh, was tough work. With a totally tropical taste. <laughs> well done, mate. Um, <laughs> right, we're going to start. We're going to, I'm actually going to start by something we usually have towards the end of the show. I'm going to give a big shout out to two very special people, three very special people, because we saw young Dylan in the concourse uh, during the weekend. He was having a great time, but unfortunately, his wee buddy wasn't there with him. Blakey's still out in Craig Avon. He's been there for a few weeks, and I just want to give him a big shout-out of support. We hope that he's getting better. Hopefully, he's feeling better. We need him back at the SSE Arena. And likewise, a fellow who's become a bit of a superstar in the last couple of weeks. Well, he's a superstar anyway, but even more so internationally. Young, uh, young Ethan. Out there and out there in the states with the gladiators and and, and the predators, uh, says it's been fantastic. It is. It's just brilliant. I mean, the dreams come true. Obviously, Joe, Garrett Williams, and a few other guys as well. It's just fantastic. I, I was managed to you get over to Cardiff and play in one of them a couple of years ago. Um, just last year, just didn't work out time wise. But uh, they made the money in the 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 charities that the, all the money that goes into when they put the uh, UK All Stars together. Is just absolutely phenomenal. Big Dave Grant uh, from uh, Sheffield and um, you know Sully from Cardiff, and there's a few other guys as well. Uh, they do an absolutely phenomenal job, and for them to recognise and and uh, um, and put the the thought process to get the wee man out of the states is just brilliant. He, and he's having a ball. You know, it's it's uh, my my boss's wee boy was diagnosed with the same condition. Um, would have been nine years ago now. Um, and his condition, his, his his diagnosis has changed slightly over the last number of years. And being told about uh, Ethan, it's that's it is the shames, and it's it's uh, um, the the future's you know it's certainly not guaranteed for him. Um, and it's it's one of those things where you know I, I've got I've got Jazz and I know obviously baby Sophie now as well, and, mm-hmm. and you know they're both of them are very very healthy, and I'm very very lucky. But well, like so, Ethan. Um, and his mum and dad of, of of you know what they've got to go through and on a daily basis and and um, moving forward, uh, it's going to get tougher for them and it's going to get tougher for for Ethan, which is the sad part. And and uh, it, it's brilliant to see that, as I say, dreams come true. I put this together for him, um, and he is out there having the t- having the time of his life. Let's be honest, you know it's it's just phenomenal. We get to meet PK Subban yesterday. He was at the um, the Nashville game last night. He was on their big screen. He's been the lead of the game, and the way they have treated him is absolutely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as Joel would say, hat tips to uh, to all those organisations and all the people behind putting that together. I think it's absolutely phenomenal, Joel. Yeah, like I, I, I can't really add much more to that. But, but I mean, Ethan uh, <clears throat> and his family uh, are, are just immensely special to me. You know, it, it all sort of um, stemmed from whenever they put out the initial uh, shout for birthday cards <clears throat> for Ethan, excuse me, and uh, and we we uh, obviously got it around BC and we all kind of got behind it and and the friendship with with kind of us, me and Danny, and then with everybody around BC and, and it just has grown and grown and grown ever since then and it's not hard to see they're just such a lovely family who, who deserve the world. He's a great kid and and Andy and Yvette are wonderful and 
it's tough for Amy too, you know, the, the kind of big sister role, um, you know, she's holding the fort down at home and still at work and school. And, um, she, she's an absolutely warrior as well. And, and often kind of goes unsung, but, um, just, just a wonderful family. And it's, it's so well-deserved. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have to say, like, I, I keep getting messages about it and, and because obviously I sent the original tweet looking for the, the, the Captain America Jersey from the Glads, but I can't lay claim to any of this. Um, people like Chris Treff, the gladiators play by play guy, um, has just gone above and beyond the entire organization has gone above and beyond the players have made so much time and then the uh, to, to go to nashville and have that kind of welcome as well and um, to have pk suban standing in there saying oh is, is that a captain america logo on, on your chair my girlfriend has that she's a skier talking about Lindsay vaughn the, the world cup alpine ski racer just absolutely out of this world and then icing on the cake today obviously is is greg wasinski on on espn um with the kind of full rundown blog uh just i i I'm staggered by the whole thing, um, just by the, the kindness and, and the compassion and just how uh, impassioned people were to make this the best experience of Ethan's life. And I'm sure it will give him and the family so much strength and so much fight for, for what lies ahead. Um, but, but very, very well deserved. And I can't wait to have them back. Absolutely. We send our love and support both to Ethan and the little Blakey out in, out in Craigavon. Yeah, we'll here, here. Both of them soon. Like it was very very sorely missed. Big weekend, and it wasn't wasn't the same. Just having not having the family in, in the button there, so um, we can't wait to see Blakey back as well. Here, here, absolutely. And you mentioned Amy there, and Amy had her own part to play in something else, and that was a view from the bridge live that took place on Saturday after the game from from the sublime to the ridiculous. Um, <laughs> what a night! I just I just quickly I just want to say thank you to absolutely everybody who came out to that and I went through what turned into an ab- turned into absolute chaos um, anarchy <laughs> but but such a crowd showed up it was I couldn't believe it when I walked into McCool's there were so many people in there and everybody got involved and we all had a bit of a laugh and a few pints were drunk um not many not many but uh but no a massive thank you to everybody who came out and got involved in that and uh, maybe we'll do it again soon hey boys uh, just give, give, give me a month or two i can't go look at you two minutes <laughs> i thought I, I, i'd be a crack i thought it was part of um, you know having besco win his dad there and rides colin shields toy having all those guys coming up and, and uh having a few minutes as well mm-hmm expert you know his uh buck fast bottle at the end with, with uh, <laughs> two ages singing a razor i just had to go off that like yeah one, one, fair. One, one thing i want to bring up actually that was said says i'll just have a quick chat with you about it before we get stuck into the game says robert fitzpatrick was up and he was talking about you know trying to work towards this new rink and the importance of it it seems like it's a real goer at the minute and it's something that they're chasing down is new ice in the center of belfast or in, this, in around the city center of belfast to give the belfast giants and ice hockey as a sport that next step that next level we've had it here for what 18 19 years that with regards to the giants and and long before that, going right back to the days when there was teams playing out of you know the King's Hall and whatever. But we need another facility, and it looks like that could be on the cards. But it just needs that last push. Yeah, to be honest, I think we need more than one party. Of it. Uh, we we talked about this on the the webcast the other day, and you know when uh, uh, when were you mentioned about the Irish news article and the guys asking. Here we are, eighteen years later, and we're playing again the Continental Cup. It's the way I look at it, it's very, very, very simple. You asked me the questions on Saturday night. Um, you know what's happening with the development of hockey in Northern Ireland. Rob Stewart, Shane Johnson, Mark Morrison, all those guys that help out. We 
Um, and uh, you know, have all these kids coming through, and they are getting better and better and better. Our development in Northern Ireland has never been as good. Um, now, the problem that we have with that is you take it with regards to England and Scotland. They're at least five years ahead of us with regards to development. At least um, you then got to take the look at uh, the facilities. We've got one rink on the whole island of Ireland. There's talk about Dundalk opening. Um, I heard today that it was already open, but I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, but Belfast itself, and just Belfast alone, um, actually, I'll go back a wee bit. So you, if, when I was playing, we had an ice rink in Dundalk, and we had two ice cubes, one in Coleraine and one in, in Crystals Arena and Bangor. Mm-hmm. And when I'm saying ice cubes, they're like half the size of the ice ball. But we still played hockey in them. I mean, I scored a goal from behind, won that by flicking the puck to the other end, and the goalkeeper was having a drink of water. Um, <laughs> and I mean, that's 25 years ago, maybe more. Um, so, you mean, you're taking it right back. We're banger, and you, you guys probably even remember where banger cinema is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an ice rink. And then where the Jet Center is. Yes. That, I remember the jet that was an ice rink as well. Yeah. So, but having Justin Donald and Having the the when I'm talking about the divide, I'm not talking about um, you know the, the green and the orange divide. I'm talking about the river in Belfast. There are so many people on the north slash west side of the river that have never been to the Donal Yeah, and will never go to the Donal Expo. And that that is a that, that's a travesty. That that's you know, it, it, I'm not, don't get me wrong, Cashray Council have done it, and Cashray and Lisburn Council, should say, have done a great job to keep it going for, for 30, 32 years, 1986, that place wow. opened. Um, and they've done a brilliant job to keep it going. But there's so many people that, that just probably don't even know that it exists. Um, yes, they do for the promotion. Yes, they, you know, they, they reach out to a lot of schools and what have you. Um, but they need a rank that have the, I, I mean, Yes, there's it's limited space in Belfast City Centre. Robert's told me where he's thinking of, and, and but it's not for me to say that at the minute. That's up to the honestly trust and Belfast City Council to come out and, and say where they're thinking about putting this. Um, and I think it's a I think it's a brilliant idea, um, but it's imperative that it's done sooner rather than later. The Odyssey Trust have been unbelievable for the Belfast Giants over the last number of years. Before that, we had Jim uh, Jim Gillespie who was you know. Jim is just incredible. A hundred percent. And as I say, since the Odyssey Trust took it over there in 2012, 13, um, you know, we've taken that next step. They've tried to look at the development. They've tried to do, you know, obviously they've got Steve Thorne and their uh, hockey operations and they've brought the NCAA. It's coming this weekend again. They've now got um, the, the World Championships here last year. Uh, they've got the, the women's NCAA. Pardon me? The women's NCAA. And this this is it. And this is all coming to us by the hard work of the people in the Odyssey Trust. Mm-hmm. And that's Steve Thorne and Shane Johnson. All those people, Robert, and, and obviously not forgetting the people across the pond as well. But we need a facility in Belfast that is going to help the, the kids in Belfast develop and take them to the next level. Right now, we don't have Anybody, anybody that is good enough to step right into the Belfast Giants team. Nobody. Uh, we talked about Josh Hodkinson on Saturday night. Um, I mean, I've been really impressed with him. Uh, obviously, Adam Robinson, you've got Stevie Eccles, you've got 
Um, there's a couple of other kids there. I just can't remember. They're wee Ross and what have you. But if they're honest with themselves, they don't want to be sitting on a bench. They're getting to an age where they need them. Um, and I'm conscious that I'm going on about this here, but I'm no, no, really it's very important about it. You know, you know, for me, if they had told me that I was sitting on a bench, um, and, and this is where I feel really sorry for Adam, because the elite league is not a defend league. It's not there to help those kids come along mm-hmm. and get to the stage where they can play. They should be learning all that and then taking a step up bit by bit, doing what Sheffield do, doing what uh, some of the other rinks and, you know, putting them two-way contracts. Absolutely. Get out there and try to get as much ice time as possible, whether that's in practice or whether that's in games. But the, the most important part is the games. You need to be playing. If you're going to go out there, it's a 60 minutes on a bench. It's a 1-1 game against Cardiff Devils. And we've got Adam Robinson, Stevie Eccles, and for argument's sake, Josh Hodgins and sitting on the bench. They yeah. aren't getting on. Nice. It's not happening. And that's the bit that it, it puts Adam behind the black ball. He's there to do the best for the Belfast Giants and try and put them on to the next level, i.e. Continental Cup, i.e. Champions Hockey League. Um, and it, we all know he's doing a great job in pushing that way and he's getting the buy-in from the. But we need, uh, it's imperative that we try and have a local talent in that team moving forward. And Deco's there at the minute. Yes, we all know he doesn't get a hell of a lot of ice time. He's on the bench on uh, Saturday night. And when he does come in, you know, he, he certainly never lets us down. But the Odyssey Trust have, have need to be commended. And I'm not just saying this because people think that we kiss the asses of Robert Fitzpatrick and, and Steve Thornton. That's We basically say it the way it is. And we've all, we've, we've some people think that we're, um, limit to what we can say on here, Paddy. They've never asked us not to say anything. Mm-hmm. They are doing a great job. They're doing a fantastic job putting this together. And when this comes off, they need to be commended big style because this is the next step to helping the next fleet of junior Belfast Giants make that step up and play with that chair, that logo on their chest. I think it's up to everybody as well. I think it falls to us. It falls to the fans. It falls to everybody to sort of to keep this alive. To keep this sort of there. We know that there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, but with regards to just word of mouth and keeping the keeping the keeping the word out there, keeping encouraging people to to get involved, to to talk, to to come to games and all that. It will keep it going. But yes, Robert brought that up, and and I think you spoke very well there, Simon, about the about the need for it if this game is to develop. And Funny, just the- a 10 second addition yep. to that you know you want you want to talk about an emotional connection to that um and, and it may sound like something that the, the fans shouldn't be active about uh, to, to someone listening but if you think back to whenever we watch graham walton and garth roberts out there doing their thing it's a different feeling than imports that you fall in love with mm-hmm. it's special because you know they've come from where you've come from they were the guys sitting in the stands saying i wish i could do that someday and they went out and they did it and graham walton had a, a phenomenally long career that if nothing else should be the touch paper that gets fans active and gets fans serious and gets fans passionate about this. Um, 100%. That's a fantastic chat, boys. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, right. Let's get on with the actual games. Um, the Belfast Giants under to Group E of the 2019 IIHF Continental Cup hosted at our own SSE Arena. First game, I'll go through all of the games, all the stats, lads, and then we'll take the whole tournament from a Belfast Giants perspective as one. The Giants' first game took place as Game 2 on the Thursday night against Medviskak Zagreb. Um, The Giants won that game for zip 
uh, goals. Oh, I've not. See, I'm having to. I'm having to go through the uh, the IHF website now. So it's somebody to help you out. No, no. Goals are from Vandermeer, Hook, Johnner, and Dwyer. Um, the guards to goalies: Tyler Beskarowani faced thirty-four shots and saved every single one of them. While Willem Rosandich faced thirty-four shots and uh, let in thirty-two. <laughs> Sorry, save thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on, what? It was four, four nil, thirty. He faced yeah. thirty-four, so he saved thirty. Save thirty. Yeah, we need Davy back, man. Yeah. Hold, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Your mouth is brilliant. Hold on. It says there were thirty-four shots, but thirty-two saves. It says that on their website. I'm not. It's not my mouth is rubbish. It's the actual <laughs> double <IHF>. Thirty-four <laughs> shots, thirty-two saves, four goals. You do it. Anyway, Giants won, <laughs> Giants won the first game 4-0. Then we move on to Friday's game against Ritten Sport. The Giants win in that game 6-2, but not as straightforward as it sounds. Um, well, Patrick Dwyer gave the Giants the lead before the first period was over. Simon Costner and Alex Fry, who I thought was brilliant through the whole tournament, gave the, uh, the Italians a 2-1 lead before Blair Riley leveled it up. At 2-2. Blair Riley again made it 3-2. Francis Bavillier made it 4-2 at the end of the second. Darcy, sorry, yeah, Darcy Murphy then came up with a goal at the start of the third period to make it 5-2 before Jonathan Boxall rounded out scoring 6-2. I'm not going to do the shots and the thing because it, it just doesn't look right. Uh, and then we go on to the Saturday's game. The Belfast Giants knew on Saturday's game that a win would automatically take them through. Katowice, they likewise needed a win to take them through. And it was Katowice who went through. But the Giants did sneak through on goals uh, on goal difference. With regards to the scoring, the Giants actually opened the scoring with our uh, our guest today, as he is in the uh, as he is in the game sheet here, Joshua Roach, uh, and le- left the Giants one nil up at the end of the first. Into the second, Darcy Murphy made it two nil before Mikolaj Lapuski made it two one, and then Jesse Rolta made it two two. The Poles then took charge. Uh, Tugadin made it 3-2 with less than a minute left and an empty net. Yanni Lakanen made it 4-2. Now, the Giants did lose this game. However, they topped the group. Three games played, two wins for Belfast Giants, Katowice and Zagreb. Written, three games played, no wins. With all those teams on six points, where the Giants finished up plus six in goal difference, Katowice finished up plus five, while Medvisek Zagreb finished up with minus one. Therefore, the Belfast Giants and GKS Katowice do progress to the final group, onto the final of the IIHF Continental Cup. In that final, they'll face HK Gummel from Belarus and Arlen Kos- Kokshetau. <laughs> Listen, that's what it says. Go again. Arlan Kokshetau. Good luck, says. Uh, <laughs> from Kazakhstan. And that final between will be between the 11th and the 13th of January next year. Venue to be announced. Um, and there's a lot of talk about whether it will be in Belfast. Right. Gentlemen, 
I'll start with you, Simon. Overall, with two wins out of three, we always said that might be the case, that two wins would be enough to get us through. We hoped that that would be a bit more straightforward than it going the goal difference. But the performance from the Belfast Giants all through the weekend, I thought was great. Yeah, I mean, we started out really well. Um, and Zagreb so came into the tournament as favourites. Um, they were down six guys before they got here. Two, uh, they couldn't get through because of uh, visa issues. Uh, and then four injuries, um, which didn't help them. And then, you know, they, they, they when they arrived here, um, Jordan Samuels Thomas uh, took sick. Um, he's their top point scorer so far this season. He took sick when he arrived in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe it or not, he, he was in the hospital for two days and um, actually maybe three days. Uh, and he's heading back on a flight tomorrow to wow. um, to Zagreb. So uh, he's, he's had to stay behind a couple of extra days with one of the team members. Um, so, you know, they were shorthanded. And I, I thought that, you know, that they looked good at times. They really did. The third period, of, um, and you could see that, you know, their, their goaltender is decent as well. But we we just you know we outworked them. We we run four as close to four lines as we could. We we had eleven forwards the weekend. Um, obviously still missing Furley, um, and uh, uh, Sheds and and Jelly as well. So you know if you had had all three available, which plays man, yeah, pinch um, for games like that. So uh, I thought we controlled the game. Yeah, they, they put pressure, which you would expect. So. Uh, but coming out four 0 gives a lot of confidence. Get in the next day. Written, you know, they uh, they were the the team that, that didn't win a game at the weekend. Some good players, as you say, Paddy Frey was a was a decent player. Uh, Simone Cosner was hand and Kevin and uh, the goaltender was half decent as well. Oh, yeah. But uh, you know, he pulled off a couple of wonder saves and um, you know, but that that game, even though going two one down, I didn't panic and I genuinely thought I'd still come out on top of that. But Katowice impressed me. They really impressed me at the weekend. Um, I heard somebody had said that uh, we let Katowice win. Um, I can't remember. Somebody had mentioned to me again today but it's, um, that, that, that we let Katowice win. I, I don't think we did. Um, to be honest, you know, Zagreb for me, if they had been fully fit, they would have been the team that pushed us for... Um, to go ahead and, and, and obviously try, you know, obviously make the, the promotion for the, the super final. But Akadavici have some really, really good players. Their goaltender was was, was outstanding. Lights um, the kid mm-hmm. Ronka, 23 years of age, on the Polish national team. He's just a complete live wire. Their number 11, the first centerman, Rota, was was really good as well. A um, couple of good defensemen, and they, they did impress me. But again, I, I just thought, I thought it was already in the guys' heads. Um, yes, we're two 0 up in that third game, and we're, we're already through. I think that was the the, the thought process and the guy. They didn't have to put everything on it. Yes, they, I mean, it wasn't for a lack of effort, but um, I, I just don't think. I think that maybe we bit tired in the third period as well. Um, but we're already qualified, and they had scored five or six goals, or maybe actually needed more. I think it was. I think it was. They need to beat us by eight clear goals for Zagreb to have a chance to go through. So when you win, if that's if that's the mentality, it's hard to get out. Let us like play a backup goalie. You know, you play a backup goalie in the IHL, and you're thinking it's an easy game. We already know that's not the case. We've been so, stuck um, many a time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gary Russell last year played. I I stuck with a few quid on him, and Davy did too, and he kicked our ass and ended yep. up 
kind of, they actually think he shut us out 3-0. But um, overall, the plan was to progress. We did that comfortably. Um, and we're in the finals of uh, a European competition, which is absolutely outstanding effort by Adam, Rob Stewart, and all the boys. Yeah. Brilliant. We're in the we're in the Continental Cup final again, uh, Joel. One of the there, there were a lot of flashpoints, a lot of great goals, but and I look at maybe the game against Ritten when you had Leskovs go up against Hunter Bishop and the two of them get kicked out of the game. I'm looking at the hit by Jan Sove earlier that day that sort of set the tone for the rest of that game. It was entertaining in hockey in more or less every game. It really was. It, it took me aback, I think, just by how uh, gripped I was by the, the non-Giants games, the afternoon games. Um, I, I came in at short notice to join Simon on comms for the, the first game on uh, on the first day, um, Katowice and Ritten. Um, and my goodness, I was blown away by it. As, as Sis says, um, the, the Katowice goaltender, who I can't remember the name of, Simon, can you remember? There you go. Um, some of the most incredible glove saves I've ever seen in the SSE, and, and that's saying something. Um, I, I mean, I, I came into that weekend thinking that Zagreb would be the team to beat. Um, and then after I saw Katowice and written, um, I, I stand on beside Sis, and I was kind of thinking to myself, like, oh, oh boy, we're in for a grind here, you know. Um, the Zagreb team, I, I definitely understand they were down a lot of bodies. You know, you had two top men who were denied visas. You lose your top point score. I think they finished the weekend down 11 guys total. I mean, that's nearly half your team. Um, that, that Zagreb team also, though, have plenty of EIHL experience. You've got big John Armstrong, Jan Sove, as you've said. Kyle Hardy even played 10 games for the Nottingham Panthers. And then, of course, um, one Mr. Sylvester. Um, he did I think well. it's I was, it's worth uh, it's worth taking a, a minute to look at his weekend. Um, I'm sorry for the cult following that still exists in Belfast for those flowing blonde locks, but Sylvast- Sebastian Sylvester was invisible all weekend. Absolutely no edge, no interest. Oh, no, invisible. no, no. I said he had a great weekend. I'm not necessarily talking about on the ice. I'm just saying oh, he had yeah, a great yeah. weekend. <laughs> oh, he had a fantastic weekend. Um, absolutely. Maybe just not with skates on his feet. Um, I, I mean, I, if I don't know, just a, a mindset to me. If, if you're a young guy and you've and you've gone away from a club like Belfast where you lifted silverware and you're coming back with your new club, it would be a, a point of pride for me to dig in and grind harder than the rest of the team and, and stand out. But for whatever reason, I just did not see that whatsoever. And um, I'm I am glad, and it's been reinforced after the weekend that we have replaced him as an individual points lights out top point scorer with such depth in our roster that can contribute on every single line um, so I mean that, that first night uh, that 4-0 shutout was incredible um, Tyler Beskarwani what more can you say the Jim Vandermeer resurgence continues um, he scored again Lewis Hook continuing to score but the story of that first game for me was Patrick Dwyer Patrick Dwyer is frankly too good for this league. That's news to no one. He was the playmaker on both Vandermeer and Hookie's goals, and then he obviously capped the night off with the fourth of his own. Um, and once I saw that first game, we that was a proper grind. The boys properly grinded into that. Um, the second game against Ritten, I mean, the the Ritten are a young team going through a bit of a period of transition, but they're they're no stranger to success. Um, tense first period, uh, you know, we're one 0 up to two on down real fast. Uh, Blair Riley, the uh, unofficial player of the month, was critical in that game, uh, critical to, to the, the goal to level things and then the, the goal to take us to 3-1, um, which was the tipping point of that game. Um, you know, Darcy Murphy, one and three lights out again. You, you could just go on and on, but um, the the highlight of that entire weekend for me was that Katowice game. I have never, not that I have never, but I haven't experienced a bought-in, electrified atmosphere like that in the SSE for so, so long. 
Is it Linskoog says who did the, who had the save where he dropped the yeah. stick and he turned and he scooped it out of the air? That was oh, I have to say of of all the moments through the tournament, that one stood out the most for me. The one that stood out the most for me was the guy get from uh, Big Jan Sove. But oh, the, the hit that, in that ice. Oh, a sickening hit. Unbelievable. I mean, that hit was as clean as you're getting. The kid's got awesome. his head down. Um, I just, I, was it the same game? I think it might have been the same game. game. I'm not sure. Uh, yes, it was the same game. I think it, it was, was the, the same, same game. game. It, was early but, in, uh, it was earlier in that game. Yeah, Zagreb. It was Zagreb versus um, uh, Katowice. Yeah. Um, but that that hit was just—it's the best hit I've seen at the arena for a while. Um, and you know, again, when Rolta threw the puck up the middle, and the guy's looking to his left over his left shoulder to try and you know collect that puck. Sove and Furnace the Sove, he could have hit him earlier. Mm-hmm. He could have really hit him earlier, and he let him turn his head around, and it was lights out. And it was good to see that he was back on his feet again. He was okay. Um, after about two days, I think it was. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was an unbelievable hit. But that save was was just incredible. We, buddy, you were sitting beside me when we when we called the game. It was an unbelievable, really was brilliant. Um, and uh, fantastic effort from him, and just never give up on the play. So the Giants progressed to the next round. Um, what a one more topic before we move on from this, and I'll start with you, Joel. Overall. A very well-run tournament. Oh man, uh, it's been this year that has given me the kind of uh, they've opened the kind of magical door. It's, it's Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory for me this year. I'm seeing <laughs> I'm seeing the mechanics and I'm seeing the the radio comms and I'm seeing the volunteers up in the media box um, and the guys working hard for Giants TV, working scoreboard, working everything. You have no idea. You think you know, but you really have no idea. Just the number of moving parts that go together to put on a tournament like that to make six full double IHF hockey games happen across across the course of three days to broadcast them live to have uh, uh, an entertainment aspect for the the crowds that are coming and um, just to, to make all of that happen is a monumental effort not only from the guys that are paid to be there from Brooksy, from glover from steve thornton and, and all the guys in the organization but for the people who show up and give up their weekend and do it for absolutely no money as well there is a, a crew there um who are uh, you know obviously the the heartbeat uh, slogan for Kiefer, <laughs> but they are the heartbeat of that team and um, if they didn't show up in game day think Things wouldn't happen. I'm just I'm astonished by how well run that that, that tournament was, uh, and from what I could tell, how much fun the travel and fans had. Um, there was a bit of grumbling about the offer, um, about uh, the atmosphere in particular on Thursday. Um, to borrow a phrase, wind your neck in. The atmosphere was phenomenal for the rest of that weekend. You cannot manufacture that. You can put everything in place, like you're saying, Paddy. You can do the, the most phenomenal logistical job, but the one thing you cannot manufacture is organic atmosphere. It can't be forced. Um, in my experience, when there's a big occasion in the SSE arena, the home crowd rises to it. They always have. They always will. Don't force it and don't panic. Just let it happen. Enjoy the game. Sometimes there will be a flat night, and if you're sitting there after a long day at work or, or on a day off or whatever, and you're seeing absolute dross on the ice, are you supposed to stand up and just scream? How are you meant to enjoy yourself? Um, you know, and the Katowice fans were fantastic all weekend. Oh, they were amazing. Um, unbelievable. But in the same way that the Giants fans were in Landshut whenever mm-hmm. I was there in 2012, you go in a small group like that to a new place and you feel tribalistic. You know, you're wearing your colors, you're proud of it. So you're going to be louder and more rowdy and you're going to want to make mm-hmm. an impact. 
Um, it is what you make it. You can't show up at the venue and be expect and, and expect to have this good time handed to you in a packet. That's complete nonsense. And and the Calabitza fans on the flip side to that. My background in sport is in Irish league football. I grew up watching Lauren FC when they were a, a Premiership team, soon to be a Premiership team, but that's a different story. Um, but that culture, that that Calabitza culture, is rooted in football ultras, uh, football casuals, and, and even elements of the kind of uh, hooligan culture as well. Um, that would sit so far at odds with where the EIHL is positioned in the UK sporting landscape. It could not exist. And anybody who thinks that you can borrow elements of it and not have it as an entirety, they're completely wrong. I'm sorry. They just they, they don't understand the culture. Um, I think for, for my money that weekend was one of the most enjoyable I've experienced in the SSE in all my years of being there. I thought it was fantastic from start to finish. I agree with you. I think that Calavici fans or the Calavici fans had a few um, taps off moments as well, which is quite entertaining. <laughs> they sure um, did. Thursday, Thursday's always going to be a loser. I think the movement, because I think it wasn't Mumford and Sons on Sunday at the arena yeah, or so yep. something on Sunday. So therefore, was. I think the club had to get dispensation to move it a day early, which put it out of sync with the other group that was going on in Leon. So they had to do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday which makes it difficult because no doubt the Giants wanted to have it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday because it's a lot easier to sell it Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night than yeah. it is to sell it on a Thursday. So to, to isolate the Thursday and say, look how rubbish this is, was totally unfair. I think there are a few people on social media who are pointing at it. But the rest of the weekend, I thought were absolutely phenomenal. One statistic I want to pull out with regards to the, the, um, the hard work that was done by Alexa Brooksy Glover, all the ones involved in the, behind the scenes, is that Leon, in their all their home games in the other group, uh, all together in their home games got 5,582 across three games. On Saturday night alone, the SSE had 5,618. You know, so it shows you how much that, in especially in that game, how much hard work was put into it. Because we were in Landshut, we were in Birmingham, we were in these places, and you didn't see those those sort of crowds turn up for the competition day the way they did on Saturday. No, not at all. Especially not at all. And, and Saturday, on Saturday in particular. And by all accounts, the guys from IHF walked away thinking this is absolutely brilliant, which is why, Simon, the way that it's going, it wouldn't be unusual or wouldn't be a big surprise if we were awarded the finals. I don't, I don't think it would, Paddy. Um, to be honest, I, I'd like a trip to um, Europe somewhere. Uh, Belarus? Me. <laughs> I, said Europe, I said Europe, not Russia. <laughs> um, the, the problem with that is it's, I've checked the prices out. It is not cheap. Um, and it's, it's not the easiest place to get to either. And then the nearest airport to the rink in Kazakhstan is like 150 miles away as well. So, um, I don't know what it is to, you know, ride a donkey out there, but um, it's, uh, it's I don't know. Be, I don't know if that's okay. It's going to be. Let's just leave that in. If it go, if it goes to, if it, if it goes to um, to Kazakhstan or Belarus. Uh, it'll be, you know, it, it's not going to be easy to get there. It's going to be limiting the number of uh, fans that you can go. Um, and and it, I think the major problem for bringing it to Belfast is the issue with visas for the Russian players. Yes. Um, I think that's the, the major talking point. And uh, I know it can't be held in Poland uh, because the Polish team have something in their arena that weekend. Mm-hmm. And then their, the rank that they train in is about the same size. The- um, 
So out of everything, I think the best option probably would be Belfast. Um, and I'm not saying that as a Belfast chance fan, just the uh, the whole picture and the logic um, of it. Yeah, but and they add to it. You know, I was speaking to Glover there uh, yesterday. No, today I was speaking to Glover today, and he was saying that the 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 guy who was in charge of the tournament from the IIHF said to him that it was absolutely fantastically well done and well run tournament uh, from everybody that Jules just touched on it. There, all the volunteers and everything that put the effort into it, and um, we could we couldn't do it without them. Um, but uh, I, I think it's it's a very it's a, I think a tournament. I understand it's going to be announced on the first of December. Mm-hmm. I think that's the dead, the deadline. So, so um, you know, it doesn't give you a lot of time to get everything organised. And if, if we do have to go to Russia, I mean, how long does it take to get a visa sorted out to go to Russia for for somebody from here? Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no idea. So, it's I don't think there's an easy way of looking at it. But um, hopefully, hopefully, it's going to come to Belfast. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll see by the time that comes around. And like the two teams from Belarus and from. Um, and from Kazakhstan, we're able to just sort their visas to get the Leon for the semi-final. So I guess it, in that sort of case, it would just be the uh, the same sort of setup. We'll see. I know that we not complained, but we we're like, oh, we want a we want a uh, a weekend away. We want a, a an international trip. We want to go and watch the Giants in Europe. We want to go onto the continent, and that's still true. I, it does have limits. I think that had Zagreb got through, uh, I would pretty much be sure that the finals would have been in Zagreb. Um, I would definitely went there. I've been there twice and I loved it. Um, you know, But unfortunately for Zagreb, they didn't get through. So from the actual finalists, the most likely candidate would be Belfast. And I guess we're just going to have to recreate Saturday night's atmosphere across three uh-huh. nights. I'm I'm not done talking about that Katowice game, Paddy. Like that, <laughs> I, I have I have never enjoyed a loss that much seriously. And it wasn't just the medicinal wine. We were <laughs> right in that game uh, until that scrappy three-two goal uh, and took the gamble on the empty net with about a minute away. About sorry, about a minute left. I came away from that game feeling like I am ready for another go with them. On any other night, the scoreline could have been reversed. I don't care where we play. I want Katowice again. I think we can take them. And we're going to have them again. <laughs> we're going to have them in January. We no, sure the, other, the other thing about that is there was never a say again, sis. There was never a five minute penalty to Kevin Rain. Oh, not a chance. That's oh, the ref, yeah, the refereeing. We, we need a separate show for this weekend. Seriously, some of that European refereeing was ropey, and I, I mean it's obviously uh, called a different way because of the different style of hockey and stuff. But uh, misconduct penalties for chirping and uh, game penalties for fighting—it's it's not for me. It's not for me, boys. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would agree with. I mean. I thought they let a lot of stuff go. Um, I remember they gave the two, or sorry, the 10 minute misconduct to Rudy and, uh, um, I can't remember who what team we were playing against, but I remember they gave the 10 minute misconduct. And it, yeah, you know, I don't think that was worth that. And I certainly don't think, uh, Raiders was a five plus game. Um, and then the fighting majors, uh, you're getting five plus game for that as well. Look, that, that's the five plus game has been the same since I, uh, played in the Continental Cup with the dog in 2008 and probably before that as well. So um, that, I don't see them, if they want to get rid of fighting, that, that's, that they're going to write the way to write about it. Um, but with regards to the other two, I thought they were soft overall the weekend. I I, th- I thought that the referee was half to, I actually thought it was, I thought, I tried to let it, there's some of those, but see that, Gray, I'll, I'll give you a perfect, 
that big Jan Sovey hit in the middle of the ice. Yeah, phenomenal. In the AHL. Uh, you're, he's yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Getting yeah. He's, yeah. he's getting banned. He's getting banned. He's getting banned. He's getting banned. That was, that, that was lights out. Guy. Uh, Ryback. But, um, that's exactly what's happening you know that you know that for a fact yeah it is <laughs> probably for the for the crowd reaction else straight to dops yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no look fair points i just i thought some of the calls were soft but on the flip side that first game uh kind of eats in written says we were on comms and i think there was a shift that went about four and a half minutes everybody was absolutely blowing out of their beeps so yeah, was, I mean, rough and the smooth. Yeah, it was, I mean, the, the games were really quick. As I, you were saying, Paddy, that game was like three hours or two hours. Two hours. The first the first oh, game was two. The first game faced off at three p.m. and finished bang on five p.m. Yeah, oh, really? that was oh, really quick, really really quick. And again, that that goes to show that the. Ref- I mean, I, I mentioned I can't remember if you were doing it with with the Joeler was yourself, Paddy, or maybe one of the other guys. One of the guys the who don't know what they're talking about, that those two, like, like Jeff Mason <laughs> and, and Stephen Murphy. Of those, <laughs> of those, absolutely. It may have been Andrew Dixon. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, when, when you don't notice the referees, that's when you know they're having a good game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought they did all right, apart from those couple of major um, misconduct penalties. Yeah, fair points. Right, let's move on. If you want to see the highlights of all of those games, in fact, the highlights of all six games, you can see them on the Belfast Giants YouTube channel. You can also see the Belfast Giants games, the ones they were involved in, in kingdomofthegiants.com. Some phenomenal work, not just by our good friend there, Mr. Simon Kitchen, but by everybody behind the scenes. Six games in three days, and then all the highlights out and everything that's involved. Phenomenal phenomenal I think by the and top work to them yeah, um, you're right Paddy how, how good were the highlights brilliant they were out within two hours after every game and the IH said they were outstanding the wee man's just brilliant yeah absolutely superb right um, before we move on to hear the interviews we'll talk about are you, now usually in the last couple of weeks I'd open a beer right now but guess what I'm definitely not doing today <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not opening a beer. The, but if but, you were thirsty, but, but if where, I where would was you go? to open a beer, I would open a beer from our good friends at Beer Fifty Two, the UK's number one craft beer delivery service. If you want to try out some brand new craft beers from right across the world, these are the guys you can sign up with. They'll deliver them right to your door. This month, it's all dark and light ales. Some really lovely stuff there. And if you want to get it from them, you can go to Beer Fifty Two com forward slash avftv and the first box you get is of course free um beer52.com forward slash avftv thanks to them for their support and thank you for supporting them and therefore supporting us on to the interviews and uh says got down to training today and he had a chat with well we're here in a moment from adam keith but first up jonathan furland Joined by Jonathan Furland Tuesday um, morning after practice. First of all, uh, back on the ice again. How are you feeling after uh, your injury a few weeks ago? Well, now I'm feeling good. The first uh, couple of weeks, I just felt not myself, not normal. But uh, I've been uh, working out biking for uh, for about uh, ten days now on the bike and been on the ice for a week. And uh, now I was able to do a full normal practice uh, this morning. So I'm happy about it. I'm on the point now and we have to decide if I can play this weekend, but it looks like I'm ready to join the team again and I'm really excited about it. 
Secondly, uh, you made your coaching debut behind the bench at the weekend, the European competition. Um, two for three, it's not a bad start. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I did enjoy my uh, my experience behind the bench. Uh, it's always something I wanted to pursue after my career, hockey career, and now uh, the Giants gave me the chance to, to be behind the bench a couple of games, and uh, it's a different view from out there. Yeah, and uh, the way you have to tell players different stuff, different play that they shouldn't do and do something else, but you know yourself that you would be on the ice, probably would have done the same thing, but that's a coaching point of view, you have to see it differently see a more of a group uh, kind of game, and uh, I did enjoy it, it was a good successful weekend for us uh, at home we're moving on to the Super Finals so really happy about it, and I think everyone is excited about it as well Moving into the Elite League this weekend didn't play at the weekend, still sitting top of the league uh, a couple of results going to the chance Well, obviously Fife losing up to Sheffield and somebody else can't remember who the other one was um, but uh, it must be feel good going into this weekend against Coventry and Guilford well we're uh, yeah it's good to go back to the elite league like we're we're on top of the league right now and we know everyone's going to come for us and uh, we still have that uh, road stretch we still got like some uh, some game on the road for the next two three weeks before we get back and play at home and we got to make sure we do our job keep playing the same way we're playing a sound team game right now and that's why we're successful uh, there's no one trying to do everything by themselves everyone's trying to play for the team and do what the team needs to for to win and uh, that's why we're successful right now Adam uh, your first European adventure as a coach um, and you did exactly what you needed to do to get through to the Super Finals uh, you must be in a, in a happy mood to, over the weekend yeah, I'm really happy with it. Uh, happy with the guys' effort right through to the final game, and uh, you know we're through, and that, that was the goal going into it. So uh, yeah, we're certainly happy, and now uh, I think that the, the time for enjoying that's over now, and we have to focus on Coventry. You've had a couple of days off um, coming up this weekend, as you say, Coventry and Guildford, two tough games, two tough rinks to go to. Uh, everybody fit and ready to go. Uh, as we go here throughout the week, we'll figure that out. But uh, I think we're, we're getting close to being fully fit. Um, but things change every day, you know. So that's kind of why we rely heavily on our depth as it is. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident whichever team ice is on Saturday, we'll, we'll, we'll show up and get the job done. Coventry have had some good form um, in their own building of late. You had success the last time you go there. I'm sure there'll be no difference uh, with regards to the effort levels that Danny Stewart's team going to put in this weekend. Yeah, we know Coventry's going to come hard, and we know that Danny's got them playing well. And uh, especially in Coventry, the Sky Dome—it's not uh, an easy place to play. They're, they get on top of you if you get down. So we want to make sure we come out and have a, a strong start to that game, and to make sure that uh, we're pushing from the front. Guildford Sunday. Last time you went there, you went in the back of a three and three, um, and unfortunately just lost out. But uh, you're playing two games this weekend. I'm sure you're ready for that. Yeah, well, I think that the guys will have a better understanding of what uh, what Guilford can bring, especially in their building, and um, we're going to have to be at our best to, to take points out of that building. Uh, I think it's not just something we learned this year, last year as well. That uh, they're a good team and their special teams are real dangerous, so our discipline will be uh, have to be the key. You still sit top of the uh, elite league. You didn't play at the weekend. A couple of results went your way. Fife losing out a couple of games. Nottingham uh, Panthers. I think they lost the game as well. Um, must be good to, to, with not playing at the weekend. Must be good to uh, be in that position. Yeah, I mean, I understand teams have some games uh, to make up in hand on us. Uh, uh, you know, I think that 
it's hard not to look at the games in hand and just consider them points when you're that team that has the game in hands. Uh, but at the end of the day, you you got to go out and get those points. So, uh, I'd much rather be on the, the end that we're on now where it's, uh, I guess, our lead to lose. Time for the fan agenda, brought to you by our friends at Belfast Giants TV. This time, Mr. Josh Roach, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Yeah, good, good. Bit, bit worse for wear after the weekend. How's the, how's the recovery been from what was a, a pretty intense weekend at the SSA? Yeah, you know, uh, the boys, uh, had a pretty tough weekend. You know, three and three is never easy. Um, especially against teams that you're not really used to playing. Um, we had a few days off after, after the weekend. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the boys are well on their way to recovering. The, uh, how's that scar on the face? It would look like it, it came back and hit you. It looked like, um, it looked pretty nasty. Yeah, you know, it's actually not as bad as uh, a lot of people think. Um, I think it more so hit my visor and then I got a little pressure cut. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty thankful because I think if it was a little bit lower, it could have done some serious damage. Roche, it's catchy here. You're, when you signed for the chance um, back in May, June time, whatever it was, um, was a big part of that because the Giants were playing European competition? Is that why, is that part of the reason that you signed or were, were you unaware that that was going to be the case? Um, to be honest with you, I was uh, pretty unaware that was the case. You know, obviously we got here and I learned a little bit more about it, which, uh, you know, was definitely a huge perk. But, um, you know, talking with uh, with Kiefer and Thorts and, you know, just about the, the team and the organization, it seemed like it would be a great fit for me. And, you know, uh, the first three and a half months here have been awesome, so I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. And, and obviously, with facing those three different teams, you've been used to um, facing, obviously, the elite league teams throughout the last couple of months, but uh, did you feel that that was a step up from what you're used to within the IHL? Um, I don't know if it'd be a step up, as it was more so just uh, like a different element. Um, you know, most of the elite league teams, uh, they're pretty physical. A lot of them play a North American-style game. And uh, the teams we saw this last weekend were uh, were really good skating teams, um, puck possession. So, you know, I think it was uh, it was a good test for us, and I thought we handled it well. Roche, it's Joel here. I actually want to spin it back to what Patrick was saying about the, the facial injury sustained at the weekend there. Um, I mean, if you were to have a bright side, it made for probably some of the most badass photos I've seen in a couple of seasons. The the couple of shots of you skating past the benches and the boys kind of looking on, it looked unreal, but definitely a nasty injury. Um, whenever that happens, whenever you encounter a kind of sudden injury like that uh, in, in the heat of a game, does the pain set in immediately or does it come way, way after the game? Like in the moment, is it all adrenaline? I know that you were taken in, patched up, and you were pretty much straight back out. Um, talk me through the, the, what happens whenever you get an injury like that and, and when it all sets in. Yeah, I think, like you said, it uh, the adrenaline kind of kicks in. And, you know, um, I wasn't really sure how bad it looked. I didn't uh, get a chance to see it in the mirror or anything. But, uh, you know, Doc did a pretty good job at stitching me up. And, yeah, you know, uh, the sleeping was definitely the worst. You don't really realize it until you're kind of, off that high from the game and yeah. um you know the night after was a bit of a difficult one but uh no worse for wear now we asked on twitter obviously at this stage you know for a few questions to come in so i'll ask a couple of a couple of come in for us first of all dylan khaki who um given given that they're so high profile what uh, what, what was it like to play for the humble broncos um it was an awesome experience um you know i didn't really know much about the junior a programs uh going in um 
but you know I spent three years there and uh, they were some of the best years of my life um, between the team um, the community you know they they do a pretty good job of making you feel really welcome um, and I think it definitely helped that we experienced a lot of success while I was there how do you feel like they a tragedy like that would affect that community being having been there for so long yeah you know honestly still thinking about it it's uh, it's pretty difficult um, you know anything like that happens it's obviously pretty tough but with such a small community and how close-knit they were and with how big of a part the Broncos are within that uh, within that town, it's uh, it's definitely difficult. But, you know, it was, uh, it was something special to see how, you know, so many people from all around the world kind of rallied together to, to support uh, the Broncos and, you know, their road to getting back on the ice this year. And we got one come in here from uh, Keelan Daney, who does some of the stats work with with her own Davies. Is um, with twenty eight games played, did you expect to be sitting top of the total shots chart? Uh you know what? Honestly, no. Um, <laughs> great stat. That's a great stat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's obviously something nice. Um, you know, I don't know if I want to brag about that too much because I think you know I have the most shots, but I think I have the most blocked shots too. So <laughs> you know, I need to start getting those ones on mm-hmm. that a bit more, but. Uh, you know, going from forward to D, um, you know, I know how valuable it is for defensemen to, uh, to, you know, get some shots on net and create those second chances for the forwards. So, you know, the forwards do a good job of getting me the puck up high, and I just try my best to get it through and let them do the work. Roche, it's catchy again. I, I've been watching the Giants since year one, um, and this year, I mean, obviously we've got Paddy Roche with the Jim Vanamere. Some We've had some really, really good players down the years. And this is your first year as a pro. What's it like playing with guys who have played four hundred games in the in the show? Uh, you know what? It's it's unbelievable. Um, just the the little things that they teach you, you know, in practice or just in the midst of a game. You know, they're uh, they're so simple but so often overlooked. And uh having a couple of guys like that has definitely been a huge asset to to our team and um, you know, hopefully they can continue that throughout the year. And I've watched you in practice uh, yourself, sometimes Curtis Leonard, and and obviously your your best mate McFall. Uh, you're always doing drills along the wall as a defenseman. You know when you're chipping pucks out along the wall, just trying to knock it down, get control of it, and then and make the play. And that I I, I mean I played defense when I was playing, and I, I can't ever remember doing that. But it is a massive part of your game because I mean you control the puck in the zone so so well, but obviously it's because you put that much work into it. Yeah, you know, um, it was never really something that I worked on uh, in my university career, but once again, going back to to Vandermeer there, that was one thing that, uh, you know, watching him in practice, he was unbelievable at. So, you know, if we can hold that blue line as, as D-man and keep that puck in and, you know, continue to sustain pressure, um, it's only going to benef- benefit us in the long run. So, you know, it's just little things that, you know, uh, you try to work on throughout the week at practice. And then during games, it's uh, it's actually pretty cool when they work out. Have you ever seen anybody knock the puck down and tip the puck in front when that is good as Jim Vandermeer? <laughs> it, it, it's, no, it's sickening, to be honest with you. Like, just the stick work and, and just the skills he has. Like, for a big guy, he's got some pretty soft mitts. So, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's fun to watch in practice, that's for sure. He is. He's just unbelievable. I mean, I, I was watching him one day. Um, Dicko was in net, and I think Dicko broke his stick as normal because he was that frustrated with him. But um, <laughs> I can't remember who it was shooting the puck at the start of the year. 
I can't, I can't remember who it was, but out of twenty-two shots, and now these—I mean, they were—you were hitting them from the blue line. Like they were, they were, it wasn't as if they were just floating them, hitting them from the blue line. Um, and he hit nineteen of twenty-two, and tipped, tipped seventeen of them in the net, and Dicko was cracking up. <laughs> yeah, Dicko is a pretty competitive guy, so uh, you know, I think the boys take a little bit of pride in getting them all riled up and. You know, uh, you know, kudos to Dicko. He's out there early before uh, before practice, and he stays out late. And he doesn't mind getting lit up from time to time for the boys, which is uh, a little bit of a confidence boost for us. So, you know, uh, having a third string goalie like him is definitely a huge asset. Uh, Roche, Joel here. We're conscious of your time, mate. Um, but something I've, I've got to ask. Uh, we, we spoke at the very start of the season in the cookery store and, and uh, in preseason and whatnot. Obviously, it was all very new to you. Um, uh, as the boys have touched on, it's your first fully professional season away from home after coming out of school last year. Um, I feel like Saturday, uh, the, the, the Katowice game, was the, the new guy's first taste of a properly electrified SSA arena. You know, the season started pretty slow and there was the long road stretch. Were you conscious of just how big and how loud and how bought into the game that crowd was? Yeah, uh, it, it was unbelievable. Um, that's probably the biggest crowd that I've ever played in front of. So, you know, like you said, we had a pretty long road stretch there. So I think a lot of us kind of forgot what it was like to play in front of a home crowd. And, uh, you know, they were electric. Um, it's a shame we couldn't get the win for them. But, uh, you know, having them on our side and, and boomerang corner and everything like that definitely plays a huge part in the way we, we perform on the ice. So, you know, we obviously want to win games for them at home, and if they if they keep doing their thing, I think we can do do that. And away from the rink, uh, what kind of cultural change has Belfast been for you? Um, are you used to the feel of the city, the people, the sense of humour, uh, the accents, the food? Um, it's obviously very different from from where you come from. Do you get homesick, or is it all kind of growing uh, growing on you now? Are you accustomed to it all? Um, at the beginning, I think I was getting a bit homesick, but, uh, you know, being here for as long as we have, I think we're kind of, uh, become accustomed to it. Um, the accents still kind of throw me through a loop. Um, <laughs> you know, I, there's a lot of times I got to ask people to, to slow down and repeat themselves. Um, I have to do like that with said, Simon, uh, don't worry. <laughs> but, uh, the sense of humor, that's, that's one thing that I, I really had no idea about, but, uh, and over here, everybody everybody has a good sense of humor. They're funny. Um, they laugh at themselves, at each other. So, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a cool environment. One more coming from Twitter, Rand Donaldson. Um, Josh, you seem totally at home playing anywhere on the ice. Do you have a preference between forward and D? Um, as of right now, actually, yeah, I would prefer to play D. There was uh, a period in Dundee where I played forward there in the third, and uh, I felt quite lost out there. So. Um, since moving back to D, I feel like I've, uh, I've become a lot more comfortable. Um, you know, playing with McFall as long as we have, uh, that definitely helps things. But, um, you know, in the long run, wherever the team needs me, then, uh, I'll do my best to perform. And we've got one more. The last question, which comes from our good friend, David McJemsey, who's, who's not here. He's with us on holiday. But, uh, but he says, Hey, Roche, it's Davey here, all the way from sunny South Ivergabos. Um, first year in the professional game, obviously, mate. Has it been everything that you're expecting and, and has the little added bonus of the European experience added something just an extra, a little bit special? Yeah, you know, um, coming over here, this is my first time over the pond. So, you know, that in itself was something pretty special. Um, to be playing with, uh, with a good friend is definitely, uh, makes it a lot easier. Um, and, you know, as far as the, the pro game, um, it's been a bit of an adjustment, you know, the last uh, five years. We've only been playing 28 games a year. So 
I think we're we're already at that mark now. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's been unbelievable. But like I said, you know, the organization, the fans, the community, they've uh, definitely helped the process a long way. Well, the last couple of months have been fantastic for the Belfast Giants. If a little bit challenging, there's another challenge of ten games away from home that starts on Saturday against the Coventry Blaze. Josh, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Right on, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks again, to Roche. Right around the league, we'll go through this quickly because we're 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 battering ahead here. First up, well, it can't be avoided, and it's a real shame because you know. It's a 2-1 game. We're playing great. <laughs> no no more Doug McKayad and Elton Keynes. We're not getting rid of this, though. It's a 2-1 game. We're playing great. Well, Doug McKay last week parted way with the Milton Keynes Lightning, uh, citing personal reasons. He's been replaced by Lewis Clifford of the MK Thunder, the NIHL, who stood in for Doug until his arrival in the country earlier season. And he'll take on the role with interim bench coach for ten, for the uh, he took on the role as interim bench coach. As you can tell, I'm reading this off the Elite League website. Uh, while the players Tim Wallace and Ryan Lannan will take on coaching duties, so it's a bit of a shock. The way it was going for him, it was going to be difficult. You know, he came in. There was a few issues at the start of the season, and that's always difficult. But not just for a player, but for a coach to get to know players as well. So um, maybe he just didn't uh, pick up the the. Uh, the game here in the UK, it's a wee bit different than than uh, back in the back in the US or Canada. So, I, I interviewed him a couple of times. He's a lovely man, but um, uh, no, I think it's probably the best thing to do. Maybe a new face to get into to um, brighten things up around the dressing room, and and then sure they went out and beat uh, Brayhead slash Glasgow slash Renfrewshire last Wednesday night in that uh, free sports game, and then they beat. Coventry at the weekend, so they've won mm-hmm. two out of the last three, and they're off the bottom of the table, from my understanding. Well, what about that game, Joel? You know, it, it, the straight into it, you know, we saw there were suspensions to Zach Fitzgerald, suspension to Brandon Conley, suspension to Patrick Colleen, Cole Shudra, you know, get, getting a five-game suspension for uh, um, leaving the bench and majors fighting. It was a hell of a well, great game. We'll hear from Aaron Murphy in a bit, but it was a great game for TV, and and quite some of it was quite shocking. Yeah, um, I guess uh, maybe not the most wholesome advert for the league, but at the same time, in terms of entertainment value, absolutely lights out. You know, uh, the the three sports uh, coverage had a couple of, of maybe dud games at the start of the season, like uh, the Devils blowing out. Was, was it Milton Keynes they blew out, actually? Yes, it was. Was it? Milton Keynes and then Fife, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, but look... Uh, you go through the mentality of a team like that, especially with a coach that's walked away. Um, a lot of those guys are far away from home. You've got your back up against the wall. It's not not easy playing for the Milton Keynes Lightning. You know, we take a lot for granted um, over here in Belfast with facilities and with the organization and the budget that we have. Um, you know, uh, it was very telling when uh, Aaron Murphy interviewed uh Goodness gracious, I can't remember the name of who he interviewed. What, sorry, but one of the Milton Keynes players anyway, as a preview uh, last week. And he, and he Ken explained- Wallace. Yes, there you go. Thanks, says and he, and he specifically, explicitly asked the question um, about Doug McKay, and uh, Tim Wallace just completely breezed past it. Like he literally, he gave the most generic hockey answer I'd ever heard, and, and I think it was we Jakey Proctor on Twitter pointed it out and just said how awkward it was that he completely and utterly flipped it. So you've got a team there. That's that's telling to me of the of the atmosphere in that dressing room. You know, uh, hockey players, as we've talked about before in this show, are at their very core so competitive. Um, so whenever the league is looking at them as if they're the, the 
kind of whipping boys this year. Whenever you lose the coach, um, you're going to get your backup, uh, and you go into a game like that against Glasgow, um, and goodness knows they have their fair share of agitators and and, and old school enforcers. Uh, and guys who run their mouth far too much, who I'm glad aren't in teal anymore. And, you know, that's that's a perfect recipe for me for, for a game to kind of fall apart like that. But you see, if I'm a Milton Keynes fan watching that game and not a, a not a neutral, I'm sitting there going, yes, boys, let's go. Let's go. There, that means there's a bit of fight left in this team. You know, it, it's it's both sides of the coin for me. It's, it's not great in terms of an overall advert for the standard of hockey and whatever else. But at the same time, it shows that the Milton Keynes aren't going to be, you know, they're not going to lie down and just get ran over all season. There's a bit of fight left in them. Says Conley's suspension, was it a bit harsh? I say to be honest, I think he was hard done by. Yeah. You know, I really do think he was hard done by. You know, okay, he just tried to um, flick the, the goalie's lid up. But the goalie got suspended, um, for flicking the puck at him. If goalie flicked the puck at me, I'd be taking his helmet right off and beating him around the head. <laughs> you know, yeah! You know, that, that, that's saying worth a two-game suspension. Yeah, for me. Yeah. <laughs> Conley, um, you know, we, we know he's, he's highly strong and we know that he can, um, you know, take the, the misconduct penalties when they come along. But I think he, I think he's... I, I, maybe give him two minutes for unsportsmanlike conduct, but two plus... Did he get thrown out? I can't remember he got thrown out. He just two. Actually, he did no, get thrown out. He, 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 he was out of the game, but he also had his nose broken by um, by yeah. Cole Shooter. No, to be honest with you, I don't think that was Cole Shooter. I think Cole Shooter just grabbed him and sort of wrestled him to the ice. Yeah, they were just. I, I honestly think that was from when he got hit with the puck. All right, from the goaltender. Somebody had said that um, on Twitter tail end last week. So that that's what I think he got the suspension for for attack. Well, going to speak to the goalie and then um, obviously cold shooter jumped the bench. Which, in all fairness, you know the kid's not getting any ice time. It was only shift he got that night, I think. Um, so jumping the bench, jumping in there, he's doing what any good teammate would have done, you know, to basically help his goalie out. So, uh, but I thought the suspension on Cons was a wee bit. Um, actually, I thought it was very harsh to be honest. Obviously, uh, what do you call him? Fitzy got a couple of games or three games for. For um, one punch in that guy, um, Mazanek, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, uh, was there, the goalie got suspended as well. Mm-hmm. He got some one game. He got one game suspension yeah. leaving the crease. But for me, cons, nah, it's, it's definitely not two games. An interesting game overall, nonetheless. Right, let's batter on. I'm going to talk about what took place at the weekend in regards to the Sheffield Steelers. Anthony DeLuca was the new was the new signing for them um, that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, and um, well, they, they forgot about him already because in the game against the <laughs> Glasgow Clan and the game against the Five Flyers, he wasn't included on the official game sheet. He played in both games, but he was removed. From the uh from the roster or during the game on Saturday against Fife, he played the full game against the Glasgow clan. Now this is in breach of Rule Twenty Three, an eligible player, and I'll not go through it all. But basically, you know, a player assessed a penalty during the game; he's found to be ineligible. They'd be removed from the game, which he was against Fife, which he wasn't against Glasgow. Um, in all cases, an ineligible player will be reported to the proper authorities. 
Hockey Ops, Mr. Michael Hicks, has given his determination and has said that basically the Sheffield Steelers have no case to answer. In the case of Anthony DeLuca icing for the Sheffield Steelers, he says, it is important to note that the players correctly registered with the Elite League and Ice Hockey UK and therefore eligible to play in both games. Administrative error in the pre-game rosters meant that he was not listed as playing in these games. At the same time, there was no violations of import quotas due to the error. DeLuca did not take any now this is key this is i'm a bit annoyed at this but i'll i'll, I'll tell you why in a second deluca did not take any penalties against glasgow on the 16th of november nor did he score any goals or assists or was on the ice for any goals according to the plus minus statistics if he'd been involved in any of these the off ice off ice team would have picked this up and the player would have been removed from the game and rule 23 followed as was the case on Saturday in Fife, where the players were removed from the game when the error became apparent. DeLuca was previously and correctly on the game sheets for the matches in the 10th and 11th. As such, the EIHL Hockey Operations Department concludes that this was a clerical error by Sheffield and not deception to play an illegal player. Therefore, no further action will be taken. Now, Don't throw this to us yet, Paddy. This, this to me is the uh, the perfect ingredients for a Patrick Smith rant. So well, I'm sitting, pro- I'm sitting back and I'm going to listen. <laughs> well, Take it away. My problem is it with it is this. First of all, the first paragraph basically stating that he's correctly registered with the Elite League and with Ice Hockey UK, and therefore eligible to play in both games, and suggesting that is a reason why there's no further action to be taken. Suggests then why do you have game sheets in the first place? Why have why have the list of names there if when the list of names are going to show that either an illegal or an eligible player there, you're just going to shrug your shoulders and say, "Ah, oh, well, it's a clerical error. Do away with the game sheet altogether." Just jot down who scores the goals and let's move on. Don't sign off what your player what players are on the roster. If we were to put in a game sheet where we accidentally put an extra import on it and say, oh well actually really sorry about that. We didn't actually that wasn't deception. Um we just made a clerical error. Or is it going to come down in the same way? I don't think it is. You also look at the fact that it states that DeLuca did not take any penalties against Glasgow, nor did he score any goals or assists, or was he on the ice for any goals according to the plus minus statistics? First of all, I'm why. I'm the, why. The, 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 first of all, the plus minus statistics. Well, let's have a look at the game because we know there have been problems with them throughout the season so far. They've been corrected on so many occasions. So let's, you know, I'd like to know if that's a little bit tighter and whether we're going to see that properly or not. Likewise, you're stating there that because he's not on any of those statistics, that he's not part of the game. Well, that's nonsense. How many blo- how many shots did he block? How many times did he put a defender or put an attacker off? How many times did he take shots on a netminder and, and ramp up the stats on the goalie's uh, on the goalie's um, percentage uh, uh, saves? That guy was part of him. How many times did he play in the power play? How many times did he play in the penalty kill when he wasn't on the game sheet to play? You know, you cannot say that because he didn't have any of these statistics that he wasn't part of the game and therefore it doesn't matter. He was part of the game. His name wasn't on the game sheet. So either do away with the game sheet or <laughs> sanction the team for breaking rule 23. You've, it states paragraph six, all cases regarding an eligible player reported to the proper authority. So report it. 
don't just shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, you know, it, oh, it was just a, machi- a mistake in the game sheet. The game sheets are there for a reason. The game sheets are there to make sure the teams are legal to play on the ice. His name wasn't on there where it was before. Yes, they made a mistake. He should have been removed from the game. And the Sheffield Steelers for doing it in two games, two games, <laughs> should have been sanctioned. Simon? Paddy, everything you said is 100% correct. Yeah, everything you said. Um, you know, if he was on the ice and he got a shift, he's participating in the game, he's, um, you know, well, he's breaking up a player, you know, it's uh, blocking a shot, as you say, he, he's participating in the game. Um, I, I wonder what the thought process would have been if it had been done D that screwed up and uh, didn't put the name on the game sheet. Would they have got fined for it? Would they have lost points? Would they have um, been, you know, been ridiculed to a certain extent? Uh, Sheffield Steelers seem to get away with everything. Um, but, uh, you know, rules are rules. You know, you, the Elite League of, over the years have sort of changed them as they sort of suit themselves. And I'm, I'm disappointed uh, that Hicks come out and said what he said. Um uh, on behalf of the AHL, uh, I think that's, I think it's wrong. For for me, like this this rule from my kicks is a good one and one that he should be putting, you know, he should be enforcing. Uh, but and he has done. But for me, Joel, this is strike one. I think it's really it's a it's a real miss by my kicks not to be to basically bend the rule based on the fact that he just thinks it's a clerical error, clerical clerical error or not. <laughs> It's still, I know, <laughs> clerical error or not, it's still a breach of Rule Twenty Three. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, you know, your your breakdown there. Uh, of... <laughs> I'm not having a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Your borderline breakdown, but also the way you broke the rules down there. Uh, I mean, that that to me makes a mockery of it. Like uh, to me, uh, and and I said at the start when Hexy was appointed in his new role, I, I I took the the line of I support it. Um, you can't let his honest your honest opinions of him uh, in, in games with a team that you follow, uh, you know, encroach your opinion on the league. Trying to kind of get their house in order and and be more by the book, but why do it if you're just going to try and issue a workaround whenever something happens? It looks to me like it's something that has been issued in order to save face in the league as opposed to actually following the law. And to me, honestly, that probably looks worse than if we had come out and said, look, they made a mess and I'm sorry that the rules are the rules. You have to pay the price. I think we end up looking more village by issuing the rule book and then trying to sort of talk our way around it. Um, but look, I, I, I can't give a more technical analysis than what you did there. Um, it's, I don't know. It sort of makes a mockery of it to me. I'm taking a deep breath and we're going to move on briefly. I'm going <laughs> that to was say, everything I needed. That I'm was gonna, perfect. <laughs> I'm briefly going to uh, congratulate Paul Thompson, who in the DEL with the Schoeniger Wild Wings has just won back-to-back games. He's doing very well. And I also want to congratulate Corey Nielsen on avoiding all those beer cans that were thrown at him <laughs> as he walked umbrella across man. the ice with, with, with an umbrella being held up <laughs> to sort of deflect all the beer cans. Um, new players, uh, the Devils have added a guy called, I'm going to be very careful here, Drew Scheitzel. Scheistel. Oh, come on. Scheistel. Oh, come Drew Scheistel. Scheistel. I've maybe got that first one wrong. Scheistel. Um, he's a former, but it looks like he's a Buffalo, he's wearing a Buffalo Sabres outfit in his in, in the photograph. He played for Zagreb in the EBL. Um, 
Where else are we looking? Nottingham Panthers. Well, they've got rid of Jacob Doty, or whether he's got. It looks sounds like he's going to the uh, ECHL, and they brought in two players. Uh, today they've brought in Patrick Munson, uh, 23-year-old American goalkeeper who also played for um, – he played for the University of Vermont. I wonder did he play at the Friendship Four? Was he gone by then? Patrick Munson. I don't remember the name. Um, they also have brought in Marek Tiverton, who's a former um, Slovakian junior international. Uh, he also played, if you remember, for the Edinburgh Capitals. He's he's now on their side, so they're they're rebuilding the roster. And we've also heard today that Henry Passell has left the Storm. He hadn't really played that much for them. Uh, Joel, thoughts on these changes? They're all just tooling up to try and catch the Super Belfast Giants boys. <laughs> the, the, the panic's setting in. They're they're seeing us absolutely wiping the floor with every. Bring it on, chaps. Open those checkbooks. You're not stopping it. I stood up on the stage in McCool's um, after a few uh, glasses of atmosphere, and I said that something that you can't recruit, and this is the uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm channeling Neil Coach Russell here, the X factor in the teams Ding. that you bring here. Something that you cannot recruit is team spirit, buy-in, character, and how they gel. This Belfast Giants team has that that – little extra in spades and that is the element that wins you championships you can throw your money at numbers and and and, uh, elite prospects pages all you want but if that isn't there you're not going to catch a team that has gelled like we have um i hope this doesn't come back to bite me but even if it does (laughs) i'll still run my mouth you're all just tooling up to try and catch us boys and i dare you to come and get us simon i really care (laughs) (laughs) you really care who to bring in (laughs) <laughs> Say it again. You don't really care who people bring in? No, not in the slightest. Well, what do you think about the Nottingham Panthers bringing in a second goalkeeper? Doesn't surprise me. Garrett's not playing well. Mm. Um, you know, they've got, they obviously don't trust um, Sam Gospel. Gospel. So, you know, and they've money to burn. So, doesn't, doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, you know, Joel's touched on, uh, you know, teams tooling up and getting ready for a, a assault in the Belfast Jam. Like everybody, whoever's in the top of the league doesn't for Nottingham or Sheffield or Fife. You know, everybody just wants to catch number one, and that's you know we, we've we've got through a weekend where we didn't play, um, and the teams behind us give up points. So you know we're in a good spot, but I'm not getting carried away just yet. It's still only the twentieth uh, or twenty first as of tomorrow um, of November. I'll get carried away on your behalf, sis. You knock yourself out. <laughs> Come and get us. Right, let's move on. Um, with the Continental Cup behind us, well, why not have another hockey tournament at the SSE? And this weekend, it is the fourth installment. Am I right? Fourth? Is it fourth yep. now? Yep. Fourth, fourth installment of the NCAA Friendship for this year. Boston University, University of Connecticut, Yale, and Union. We'll talk about briefly about them in a second, but... We talked about Sis calling those four games, four games, and he's going to be stood beside the guy who Joel got to speak with earlier, and that is a good friend of a view from the bridge, Mr. Aaron Murphy. This weekend, while the Belfast Giants are on the road, Double IHF Continental Cup competition gives way to the NCAA as the Friendship Four returns to Belfast for its fourth consecutive year, and there's no better man to tell us about what to expect from another huge weekend of hockey than the voice of free sports and the king of the catchphrase, Mr. Aaron Murphy. How are you, my friends? 
<laughs> That's quite an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the Friendship Four. It's going to be uh, it's a festival of hockey, and it's something to to really circle on the calendar, isn't it? Definitely a highlight of any season in Belfast, and, and I, I agree. Cannot wait for the weekend. But um, first off, uh, thank you, first of all, for taking time out of preparations. Uh, obviously, tonight's big CHL clash between Forlunda and Lugano. Um, how are you enjoying the season, calling the action on free sports so far? Yeah, I mean, I love it. Uh, obviously, the, the Champions Hockey League is nice. I really enjoy the Champions Hockey League when you still have a EIHL interest and uh, – you know, the Cardiff Devils had a great campaign in their group, just, just wasn't to be this year. But, you know, now you're down to for London versus Logano, as you said. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that either. So quite looking forward to that. I mean, it's tied 1-1 after leg one on aggregate. So you're you're basically in a game seven winner take all tonight, even though it's leg two. But it's got that feel around it. And a knockout game is always, always special. So it's the, the first of seven, just a quick seven games for me this week. So I'm looking forward to getting <laughs> one under the belt from the CHL later. A quiet week. Um, and, of course, tomorrow's game of the week um, is the EIHL clash between the Guilford Flames and the Coventry Blaze. Coincidentally, both sides uh, face the Belfast Giants this weekend. Um, two pretty evenly matched teams, Murph, currently breathing down each other's necks in the standings. Where do you see this one going? Yeah, I mean, fifth versus sixth. I mean, that's that's a nice little fixture as well, isn't it? It's almost going to have a playoff feel uh, as well. And when you look at the way the Guilford Flames are coming off last weekend, uh, six power play goals against the Manchester Storm in an 8-3 win on Sunday. Six power play goals. That is unbelievable. I mean, Paul <laughs> Dixon really has that team buying in, and you got the likes of Reddick and Dunbar and Ackerich, some of the, the bright lights offensively in the entire EIHL. So I guess for Coventry, the, the edict is going to be stay out of the penalty box or, you know, <laughs> you play with fire and literally and you'll get burned. Six power play <laughs> goals for them last week, and they're going to be feeling good. That being said, Coventry... You know, over the years, the, the Skydome's been a tough place to play for visiting teams. And I know Danny Stewart will have his, his team ready. I mean, they've got the likes of Hache and Crowder, and uh, they've got a really good team there. And the last TV game, well, one of the last TV games, October 31st, uh, Coventry v. Sheffield, that was a really good game. So I, I would expect this to be a, be a tight game on Wednesday night on free sports. That being said, the way the Flames can put on the board. If uh, if there's any indiscipline at all for the Blaze, I would imagine that Guilford will be happy to, to get on the power play. Yeah, and I would definitely recommend all of our listeners and the Giants fans to check that game out. That's going to be a, a great game for the neutral and obviously a little bit of a scouting mission before the weekend. Um, but listen, let's turn to 2018's Friendship 4. Um, for anyone who hasn't watched NCAA hockey before, and if you haven't, you are completely and utterly missing out. But talk to me about the style of hockey that's going to be on show in Belfast this, this weekend, the speed and the skill and just these young guys full of energy. Well, it's unbelievable, and you should tip your hat in Belfast because it also, the Friendship Four, it's a, well, it's a very North American style of play. Each of these programs is like a professional team. It's not like university sports that some people might think about. I mean, you look at Boston University, I think you have 13 NHL draft picks up and down their, their yeah. roster, including a couple of first-round picks. That's unbelievable pedigree to have on show at the uh, SSE Arena. But tip your hat again because... When this started out three-plus seasons ago, the first, so this will be the fourth Friendship Four, a few years ago when this started out, I think it's changed the way that EIHL teams recruit, including the way the Giants recruit. You've got plenty of NCAA talent in your lineup over the last few years because people have seen the Friendship Four and see how good the level of play is. And with the likes of Boston University in town this weekend, I think people, if it's their first Friendship Four, they'll be totally blown away uh, from what they see from the Terriers. And, you know, there's a nice... 
a nice connection there with uh, obviously Steve Thornton and Shane Johnson and the likes of the, some of the Giants legends who have a tie to Boston University. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's the only NCAA hockey tournament to take place outside of the U.S. And as you quite rightly say, I mean, it started with Darcy Murphy a couple of years ago, and, and look at him until now, and, and he sort of just blazed the trail for for so many other guys. I mean, it, it puts the EIHL in the shop window to these young guys as well as as a, a very viable league to come and play your trade. But this year, um, Boston University, the University of Connecticut, Union College, and Yale will compete to ring the bell and take home the coveted Bellpot Trophy. So let's take a quick look at each of the programs. Um, you've mentioned Boston University, the Terriers, and um, although there without an NCAA title since 2009 they as you quite rightly say have been a breeding ground for NHL talent and um, there'd be a school that most would pin as the favorite this weekend yeah I think uh, and I, I would imagine that a lot of the fans who are doing the reading on the tournament and all that they'll look at it and it's quite easy I mentioned the draft picks and you mentioned I mean there's some guys on that team who have legendary fathers like Bobo Carpenter's dad Bobby Carpenter was an NHL legend so Obviously, on paper, Boston University would be the uh, the favorites, I think. But, I mean, you look at University of Connecticut, their head coach, Mike Cavanaugh, six years, the head coach there, a former assistant coach at Boston College. So, <laughs> I mean, he'll know he'll know the, the lay of the land at Boston University. So, I don't think anyone in a one game, you know, the both games on Friday count to their season. No one can look past anyone in, in those first games on Friday. And then, yeah. obviously, as you mentioned, the Bellpot final on Saturday, the big one. But, you know, for people, and you quite rightly said, it's the first, it's the only tournament that happens outside of North America that means points for their season and rankings and all that. So Friday's a special one, and that that evening game, Boston University versus University of Connecticut, I can't, I find it hard to look past Boston University, but yeah. you just never know what could happen in a one-game playoff. But if I had to bet, I uh, bet the, the farm, I think Boston University probably makes it through to the Belpot final. And uh, you mentioned the Yukon Huskies there, who obviously once boasted beloved ex-Belfast giant Mike Hoffman. Um, he's also a pizza champion in Belfast. Murph, uh, fair to say Yukon yeah. has, has not been a school renowned for its hockey in the past, a big basketball program, but that all seems to be changing. Well, I mean, look, like I mentioned, uh, the, the coach there, he's he's trying to make that program a little bit more front and center. They've got some... They've got a very multicultural lineup, actually, Con. I mean, they have the 14 American guys. They have six Canadians, two Czechs, Russians, Slovaks. They've got a GB uh, born and raised goaltender in Bradley Stone. And they've got a Swedish player as well. So this is they've gone for the multicultural flair. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing them because when you have players from different countries like that coming together, again, there's a lot of different styles, and it'll be interesting to see how Mike Kavanaugh We'll harness that against, well, what we've said already, I guess the tournament favorite, Boston University. Yeah, and, and joining them, the Union College Dutchmen and the Yale Bulldogs, um, a couple of interesting schools. The Dutchmen were 2014 NCAA champions. Um, they're loaded with seniors this year. Um, many would maybe see them as a bit of a dark horse for not only the tournament this weekend, but also, dare I say, a national championship this year. And, and then also Yale Bulldogs. I mean, an Ivy League school who last tasted silverware in 2013, uh, the year before the Dutchmen. Not the greatest of seasons last year, but much better expected so all four teams are, are in with a shite i would say oh i mean look obviously the goal is to make your season continue to roll on in a positive light on friday and then yeah. the, you know the icing on the cake is to get through to the bellpot final and try and ring that bell at center ice at sse arena you know uh, an image that's given us some incredible memories over the last previous tournaments but yeah i would imagine that whoever comes out of that that game on friday between the bulldogs and the dutchman 
will be thinking, okay, we could still – sometimes teams like to play that underdog status a little bit, and I'm sure UConn will be saying that against Boston University on Friday. But, yeah. you know, whoever gets out of the uh, the ECAC game on Friday, I mean, they, they have to believe in a one-game final on a Saturday in, in Belfast, a world away from Union College or Yale University campus to just give it your best shot and go for it. And a, a one-game championship, anything can happen, but – Certainly, like you mentioned, the seniors there on the Dutchman, it's a team that's probably a little bit more ready to maybe cause an upset if they come up against Boston University, mm-hmm. yeah. but you just you just don't know what could happen in a one-game one game championship. So if you're kneeling your colors to the Moss, then you're saying the Boston University Terriers for the bell putt? I, I would have to think so. I mean, I've like I said, I've got the seven games this week, this week and the, the, <laughs> the prep that I've done so far for the Friendship Four I mean, you mentioned I've got CHL, EIHL, I've got KHL as well before I, I head up to Belfast. But the the prep work I've done so far is that on paper you'd have to say Boston University uh, are the favorites. But you know what? Championships aren't won on paper, and we just talk about some of the variables for UConn, Union College. And you know what? Uh, Yale's got some good talent up and down that lineup as well, and they have a very experienced head coach in Keith Land, 13 mm-hmm. years uh the head coach there, former NHL assistant coach as well. So when you have good coaching like that, anything could happen for, for the Bulldogs. But I, I find it hard to look past uh, the Boston University Terriers, and I'm sure uh, some of the alumni that are parts of the Giants' backroom staff would probably feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, listen, Murph, we'll let you get back to your preparations. Um, we look forward to seeing you this weekend. It's always a pleasure to hear your voice on the show. Um, thanks for joining us on, on such a busy day. I just need to ask you for one more little thing before you go. Uh, could you hit our listeners with your very best pitter-patter? <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? No problem at all. It's funny because I forget that I even say that until someone says, oh, I like when you say that. It's just kind of one of those things I get excited about. I am excited about this weekend, so no problem. Better patter, let's get out of here. Friendship four at FSC Arena. Aaron Murphy, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, mate. No problem. See you on the weekend. Thanks again to Murph. Better patter, let's get out of here. Love it. Um, BU, University of Connecticut, Yale, and Union. Um, BU seem to be the favourites, not just because they seem to be the strongest on the ice, but they may have a bit of help from upstairs. Well, they've already got the chance locker room. Oh, you see, uh, look at this. This is favoritism. I was at the uh, I was at the official launcher a couple of weeks ago, Belfast, um, and Shane Johnson Danner's in with a red tie on. <laughs> so, you know, Set your stall out, Johnny. Absolutely, you know, there's no um, there's no uh, favoritism at, at all. Apparently, um, you know, so Thorts and Thorts, we all know Thorts and and uh, Johnny Bird, uh, BU, and and um, you know the they obviously both play a big part in this tournament and, and um you know they came in they were on the ice this morning some, some talent in there mate I'm telling you some of those kids are just unbelievable um and then I watched uh managed to watch Yale um and again there's a couple of kids really stood out they've brought uh 28 players with them so you know there's certainly there's there's kids are they made the whole way across the, to uh Northern Ireland and they do not want to make this trip and then all of a sudden have to sit and, and watch the, their teammates play. So, you know, they're all out there trying to give it their all. I didn't manage to catch Union or uh, UConn on the ice today. I had to get back to work. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll maybe see them tomorrow at some point. So really looking forward to it. I think it'll be another fantastic tournament. It's been, you know, four years. It, it's For anybody that, that does listen to this and they haven't got tickets for, for uh, the NCAA yet, 
we're not trying to sell them just because you know there's tickets left. This is top top quality hockey. It's unbelievable. If you get a chance to get down there, there's kids will be playing in this tournament this weekend that will be in the NHL in 18 months. Yep. It's happened every year so far. Every year that the, the tournament's been held, there's been uh, there's been players from that tournament that have played in 18 months. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal overall. It's like... I, I'm, you know, I had to make a choice between getting home last weekend for the Continental Cup or going home this weekend for the for the NCAA. And I honestly, it's a, it was a difficult decision um, because I've enjoyed the NCAA the last three years so much. It's such a high quality, and and you look at the, you look at the type. Oh, by the way, he says you have to be very careful. I think don't call BU Boston because I think you'll get hate letters from Boston yeah. people at Boston mm-hmm. College. He'll come after yep. you if you call him Boston. You have to call him Boston University or BU. But, yeah, um, we're going to have to catch a flight. You know, it's a long. Flight. <laughs> I'll be away by the end, so. But no, I've already been, I've already been told that. Man. <laughs> but um, we've Joe, we've we've a brilliant set of uh, previews going on in Kingdom of the Giants, written by Anne Coulter, and a few interviews from my friend Rhonda McClure, sort of building up to, to what is going to be a superb tournament starting on Friday. Really enjoyed those this week. Actually, some really good reading. If anybody hasn't checked them out, it just it's a perfect scene setter um, for being able to sit and watch what is going to be a phenomenal weekend um, as a neutral. Um, it never really comes up, Patrick, but I'm a bit of a Boston guy, uh, so <laughs> never comes up, mate. Never comes up. <laughs> no, never, never brought it up there. And, and I noticed you sort of said the, the very word with a bit of venom in your in your uh, voice, which is strange to me. But um, the this oh, weekend is. Baby. <laughs> no further comment. Um, you know that you've got four teams there. Uh, it may look a little cut and dry on paper. The Boston University Terriers um, are a, a, a proven breeding ground for NHL talent, as we talked about with, as I talked about with Murph there, um, without an NCAA title since 2009. But but a lot of people would call them the favourites. Um, but you've got the UConn Huskies, who are, for all intents and purposes, for a long, long time, they've been a basketball program. That school has has run riot and and uh, and. Uh, the NCAA basketball. What do you call that final that final four that they do? March Madness. March Madness. Um, they're all, they're always a, a factor there. Um, UConn, obviously, as we said as well, um, boasted ex uh, Belfast Giant and Pizza Champion Mike Hoffman. <laughs> um, so it'll be great to see them on home ice. Uh, but that that that's all changing the basketball thing. Their their hockey team is, is surging right now. And um, the Union College Dutchman, 2014 NCAA champions. Uh, Yale 2013 NCAA champions. Uh, you know, this, I, I think that there's going to be, I, I'm, and let's not forget the, the, the fact that the first day of games counts towards their NCAA rankings. Those are official league games and, and the only place outside of North America where you will see that happen is in the SSE Arena in Belfast. And then you go on to Saturday where teams will compete for, for the Bellpot Trophy and, and get the chance to ring the bell. And just some great memories made already um, in the past three years and I cannot wait to see it all over again. This starts on Friday afternoon and then in the Saturday window fight for the Bell Pod. Get yourself along to the NCAA friendship for 2018 and there'll be more NCAA later in the season. We'll come back to that. Let's come back to the Belfast Giants as we start to round off this long podcast. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Giants return to Elite League action on Saturday night against the Coventry Blaze at 7pm at the Sky Dome. Uh, they remain top of the Elite League despite having a weekend out of that competition, a strong point. But this is the first of six games 
away from home before they returned to face the Coventry, sorry, the Cardiff Devils at the SSE in December. It's Coventry at 7pm on Saturday and then down into Surrey to face the Guildford Flames at the Spectrum at 6pm on Sunday. If you can't get the, those games with Coventry, there is the webcast and uh, there is no webcast for Guildford, but keep an eye on at AVFTB. We'll try to keep you updated with all the scores. Um, before we get on to asking the lads their opinion, I got a chance earlier on to chat with the head coach of the Coventry Blaze, and that is, of course, Danny Stewart. First game up this weekend, the Belfast Giants returned to face the Coventry Blaze, and uh, back in Elite League action, I'm joined by the head coach of the Coventry Blaze, Mr. Danny Stewart. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, guys. I um, appreciate you talking to us because obviously you've got this game tomorrow night against the Guildford Flames live on television. With the television aspect of it, do you, you know, what do you expect? Uh, I, mean, I think it's just, you know, it's just another game against the Guildford Flames. I mean, they're high quality team is as skilled as anybody. And I think that's just the way we got to look at it. And, um, you know, whether we get more, more, uh, you know, more fans, a bigger crowd due to the fact that it's a TV game, then, you know, ho- hopefully that's the case. But you know, in, in regards to, to preparation and, and how we see the game, it, it's you know, as it's preparation as usual. The uh, the last time the Belfast Giants were in Coventry, um, it was a bit of back and forth game. You guys had the lead at one point, and you know, it was a, it was a very entertaining game. Are you expecting for more of the same? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, Belfast is on quite the roll right now and um, you know, obviously some success in the Continental Cup as well to to top that off. So, you know, very again another team that's that's deep in in every aspect and you know, obviously, uh, you know, a top maybe, you know, arguably the best goalie in the league and you know, they got a lot of quality over there, so you know, we we'll certainly have to be at our best and and play, you know, at the, at the top, top of our game to to be with them. How do you think your season's gone so far? Yeah, I mean, all in all, not too bad. I think, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we had disappointing, uh, I wouldn't say performances in the Challenge Cup, just results-wise, we struggled to put the puck in the net and, you know, ultimately was our downfall in that competition. But we, you know, we played some good hockey, played some good hockey in Guilford and in MK and Cardiff, but just, you know, couldn't score and um, cost us in the end. But, you know, in league, I think we've, uh, you know, we've competed. We've, we're in every hockey game that we play in. And um, I think as everyone in this league can say, <laughs> we've ran into a couple hot goalies on certain nights, you know, nights where we're getting 45, 50 shots and good quality chances and can't find the back of the net. But it happens to everybody. So um, this is a, a great league this year. Everyone's picking points off everybody. So, you know, I'll, I think as everyone else would say, we'd like to be in a higher spot. And, you know, would have liked to have closed a few games out that we felt we were in control in. But uh, it, it happens, that sport. And you just got to, you know, look ahead to the next game. You mentioned goalies there yourself, you know, in, in Coventry. You've had not the best luck with goalies, obviously, Mika Wiegman going down then it's in Cardiff. But Jordan Headley stepping in in Cardiff. And that game overall it was a hell of a performance. Not the way you wanted that game to go with regards to what happened, but but a, a great performance by your team to get in front of, of Jordan. A great performance by Jordan as well. Yeah, I know, absolutely. Whenever he's been called upon, he's been great for us. And, you know, I've going back to summer and, you know, obviously Nastiak deciding not to return right mm-hmm. right at the end of summer and, and going through Wix's injury and Capriva as well. You know, it's it's been tough finding that that consistency with, with our with our goaltending. But uh, in, in regards to who's playing, I don't mean performance-wise, but, um, you know, whenever he's been called upon, he's done a great job for us and, he, and he's proven to be a, a quality backup. With regards to your goals and your aims of this season, regards to Coventry, 
what are your aims this season? Well, I think I think our our, our aims are to, to compete every night, and you know what? Uh, obviously, the the Challenge Cup is over and done with. That was the goal that we had set at the start mm-hmm. of the year to uh, progress in that competition, but uh, ultimately we we didn't do that. So you know, our attention turns to to the league play, and you know we're a team that wants to shoot for that top half of the table, and um and and certainly our conference. I think you know winning our conference is is a realistic goal for us, and um you know it's something that uh, you know it's early days. We've only played, I believe, four four conference games with another big one to, tomorrow night. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, those are our long-term goals, but you know, our, you know, in the short term, I think we just take it a day at a time. I think the league's too good to look too far ahead. And, um, you know, it's what we do every day. That's, that's more important. It's interesting. You mentioned the conferences there, Danny, you know, with, with the change of the league structure, going back to that sort of three games against everybody, you still hold, uh, are you still hold worth in achieving that conference title? Yeah, no, I think I think so. Whether it's you know gone down a little bit, I don't. I, I'm not sure. I you know I think from my time here in the UK, we we take every trophy serious. That's that's attainable. So um, whether the value still where it was last year, I don't know. That's an argument to be made. But uh, you know, anytime you're in any type of competition or any type of trophy is up for grabs, and you want to you want to perform at your best and shoot for that and and aim for that uh ultimately that's what we play for is to to win some silverware and not just you know not just show up the for the dance so um yeah i mean they're all goals we've 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 spoken about as a team but like i said you know sometimes you can set those long-term goals and and get lost on the journey on the way so we we, we tend to focus on you know what we're doing short term and in our daily habits day to day and then finally you know you yourself you've been at coventry for a number of, you came back to Coventry, of course, to, as head coach. You've been there for a number of seasons now. I haven't been at Fife. How do you feel you're you're progressing as a coach yourself? Yeah, no, very much. So I think it was, uh, you know, obviously in Fife, I was still, you know, player playing and coaching. And then obviously when I took over here, it was, uh, you know, finished my playing career and, and right back onto the bench. And I think uh, probably the biggest change has been, you know, the, the emotions, controlling the emotions a little bit better. That first year was you know, all of a sudden you're done playing. And as a player, I was a passionate guy and played with a lot of emotion and you find yourself standing on that bench and you got nowhere to, to let it out. So, <laughs> uh, it, you know, I think that's somewhere, you know, I think any other player that's, you know, jumped right into coaching can say the same thing. And, um, you know, I think a little bit in con- more in control of that and, you know, learning, learning every day about the game a little bit more and, you know, about players' personalities and, and what, you know, what, what makes every guy tick, you know, and, and differences between them. So, you know, a lot of things you're learning every day, you stop learning, it's time to get out of the game. So, um, you know, I think we've made progress here in the three years, you know, would we have liked to make bigger progress? Absolutely. You always want to, you know, do as as well as you can, but uh, I think it's been progress every year and, um, you know, we're, we're just continuing to build on that. Fantastic. With the Belfast Giants travel back to the Sky Dome to take on the Coventry Blaze this Saturday. Danny Stewart, thank you very much for your time. Okay, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks to Danny. Um, Joel, start with you. Your thoughts on the Giants getting back into the Elite League competition this weekend? Yeah, you know, from from the high of uh, a moment for uh, the gas that it takes to to take on three teams that are kind of unknowns in three nights, you got to get right back um, let's not be under any illusion. You know, you've got the the Blaze and the Flames sitting beside each other in fifth and sixth in the league, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and they actually face each other tomorrow night on free sports. So, I mean, first of all, as a Giants fan, I'd be tuning into that to have a look at what we're facing this weekend. Um, first, uh, in terms of Guildford, they're one of the teams that have handed us our four league losses. Um, so, I mean, not not to be sniffed at, you know, I, I think they could be a, a banana skin. And you don't need to talk about 
a trip to the Sky Dome, the Coventry Blaze, on any given night. We were phenomenal the last time we went there. Don't get me wrong. It was the beginning of uh, unofficial Player of the Month, Blair Riley's resurgence. <laughs> um, but the, the pair of those teams this weekend have the ability and have it in the tank to take points off us. So we need to not lose focus. That's the big danger of European competition. You can take your eye off the ball. We need to get right back to work and we need to stump our authority, continue stumping our authority on this league for absolutely vital points. The, 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 the league table is still very, very tight and, and honestly Guildford and Coventry aren't even out of it yet you know they're only 10 points off the pace now as the games played kind of matches up I think it's gonna be a really really interesting weekend and it just remains to be seen whether the Giants can continue that road form get right back on it after a big weekend says so Murph said earlier on especially about the about the, the the Guildford Flames the Manchester Storm suffered six power play goals at the hands of the Flames they are dangerous in attack stay in the penalty box now it's uh, you know, the Gilf- ah, it is, and uh, that's it. You basically champ. Um, you know, we're not sitting at the top of the league, um, just to make the numbers up. We're sitting there because we deserve to be there. We've been on a brilliant. Run. Um, Jules already touched on, you know, two next two away games, Coventry and, and Guildford. It is going to be two tough games. Um, Guildford beat us uh, the last time we were there, and it was the third and three nights. Mm-hmm. The last two games that we've lost have been the third of three games. Good start. So we're not going to lose this Saturday, this Sunday night against Kilford out away. The boys wanted to, I spoke to Adam about today and he said the guys are ready. Um, and, you know, when you're, when you're playing with confidence, it, it's, it, it makes the game a hell of a lot easier. Um, you know, it just the good things happen. Best goes in great form, you know, You've got. We've already talked to Josh Roach, and, what and he's, you know, do? he's, he's uh, uh, you know, Josh Roach is having a great season. Darcy Murphy, that you know, probably is arguably. Is, I know he's had a, a hat trick already this season, but I thought he was sensational um, against Ritten on he was. Uh, Friday night. Um, you know, he came out and played well on Saturday again. Uh, I think he, I think he got another goal on Saturday against Karavice. Uh, yeah, he did. He got the second. Josh Roach getting the first one. So. You know, we're playing well. We're, we're, you know, we're we're doing the simple things. We're we're making sure we're playing as a unit and playing as a team. Um, and it makes this game a hell of a lot easier if you. Uh, so you know, I, I think we're going in the right direction. Um, I do think that this weekend will be two tough games. I'm, I always enjoy going um, or watching the webcast and comedy. The guys do a good job there. Um, and. You know, again, Guildford need to get their finger out and sort the bloody webcast out instead of Agreed. recording everything on an iPhone. Um, so <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 going to be two really good games, um, and I'm expecting you know the guys to come back with uh, with two victories. I think I think I think we deserve it. I think we, the guys, you know, as I say, they they know what they've got to do, and I think they'll do it. As I said, Saturday. Versus Coventry at the Sky Dome, 7 p.m. You can join Ed and Stu on the Coventry Blaze webcast. And on Sunday, 6 p.m. from the Spectrum, against the Guildford Flames. No webcast there. Keep an eye on at AVFTB. Um, any other business? I'm going to start off with a very, very quick one. I, I promised Dave say this because he asked this at the um, a View from the Bridge live, and we didn't really answer it. So a oh, quick sorry, ten, a quick 10 seconds from each of you. Your thoughts on the potential of a Leeds-based team in the elite league, Simon? Um, if there's an ice rink there, it's got a better chance. Um, you know, <laughs> there was an there a couple of weeks about it, and 
you know what? I think it, it, if there's you know if there's somebody there who's got a bit of money, they can, by all means go ahead and do it. There was talk of Liverpool a couple of years ago was you know Davies talking about starting a team in Bristol. So, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, so the, the more the merrier. The, if we can get another couple of teams throughout the uh, the UK to, to join the league and and you know put the numbers back up again, uh, I, I'm all for it. So hopefully um, they can they can find an ownership uh, that. that uh, can put it together and spend a bit of money on it. That'd be Joe. Yeah, it comes down to what Simon's just said. Uh, it comes down to a stable ownership with a good business plan who are going to implement it over a series of years. You know, good facilities, whatever else. You need to have a firm foundation to set up a, a team in this league. But if that's all in place, I don't see why not. Um, that part of England is a hotbed for hockey. A lot, a lot of teams aren't too far away. And um, there'll obviously be a big rivalry game there between Leeds and Sheffield too, you know, to two kind of neighbours. And Leeds and um, Manchester. And Leeds and Manchester, of course, yeah. So, I mean, uh, it also, uh, for, for a travelling fan, you know, that's that's more clustering of, of these clubs. So it makes uh, away days more achievable. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. A team in a team in Leeds, just down the road from me, and and you know, and like I say, there would be that sort of cluster of teams between Manchester, Sheffield, Leeds, even Nottingham, Coventry, not that far away from that sort of central belt here in in England. The um, and as you say, whether it's stable ownership or not, we saw that Mark Johnson behind Planet Ice who are building the ice rink in in Leeds. We've always seen them. You know, mastermind the return of the Manchester Storm. So who knows what's possible there with regards to um to, to Planet Ice or Silver Blades, whoever's running that rink, whether they're going to bring it back into the league. We know that they did uh, advertise for players and things like that. So we'll see how that develops. Um, any other business, gents? Uh, if you don't, Simon, I want to end this one just with a bit on a bit of a serious note, if possible. Failure um, Probably uh, everybody by now is aware of the, the sudden and unexpected passing of, of Niall Little during the week, um, who was uh, a Giants fan and, and uh, a big part of the roller hockey community in Northern Ireland. He was, he was very heavily involved with the East Coast plays and, and the tributes you've seen during the week just are, are testament to the kind of guy that he was. Um, that's a, a family that have been hit with tragedy over and over. Um, and just it's worth saying, just on behalf of all of us, if you don't mind me speaking for you boys, that, that our love and our thoughts are with Sharon, um, his mom, who has had the injury more than most people probably would in a lifetime. Um, and just, uh, I hope she knows that she's got uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of people standing behind her and, and that will be there for her in the coming months and years. Here, we send our thoughts and prayers to that family. Right, let's round out. Let's round out the show. Um, like we say, the games to the Belfast Giants this, this weekend away to Coventry, 7 p.m., catch the webcast. Blaze TV away to the Flames Sunday 6 p.m. No webcast. Keep an eye on at AVFTB. Thanks to Josh Roach, to Adam Keith, Jonathan Farland. Thanks to Danny Stewart and Aaron Murphy. Thank you to you two gents. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Take it easy the next week and wherever you are this weekend. We hope you enjoy your hockey, especially if you're traveling to Coventry or to Guildford. And we'll catch you here next week on a view from the bridge. Podcast Network.